0: Aimed at that, I'm just going to be putting it here just a little bit differently, but the question tonight is simply, have you been washed by the blood? Are you a part of the family of God? If you would, turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter number three. Genesis chapter number three. I'll give you some time to get there. I know it might take you a bit to find the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number three. I am thankful uh, for my father, and I uh, say happy Father's Day to all of you out there who are fathers. And I'm thankful for my father who made it a point to get me to church. I can literally remember very vividly when I did not want to go. And I can remember very vividly when my dad grabbed me by my ankle and dragged me out of the bed where I hit the ground. And he said, You're going. And I went. <laughs> but I'm so thankful that. I- Although I didn't see it then as a teenager that my parents did that for me, and I'm thankful for my dad and his testimony. And tonight, I once again want to talk about that family, but I'm not going to be mainly talking about earthly parents or earthly father. Tonight, I want to talk about the heavenly father and the other spiritual father known as the devil. And we'll get into that. But if you would look with me at Genesis chapter number 3. And look with me at verse number nine, is where we're going to start reading Genesis chapter number three, verse number nine. And we'll read several verses here. And then I'll pray one last time. And we'll get into what I believe God has for us here tonight. Genesis chapter number three. Look with me at verse number nine. It says this And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Let's pray. Father, I just once again come to you here in prayer, and I'm so thankful that during my prayer, I just started off being able to call you Father. You are my heavenly Father. I'm thankful for my earthly Father, Lord, that you placed in my life. But above him, Lord, I'm thankful for my heavenly Father, Lord. I'm thankful for you. I am thankful to be washed and be put under the blood, Lord. I'm thankful that I am a part of the family of God. Father, you want everyone who is on this planet to be part of the family of God. And I pray that this sermon would just be informative and that we can just take a look here at a perspective that maybe we haven't thought of before. And whatever you put here on my heart, Lord, I pray that it be with clarity. And I pray, Lord, that there'd be something here tonight that someone here can take home with them and learn and grow from it spiritually. Now work through me through your Holy Spirit, Lord, and I'll give you glory for that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, we started right here in the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible. And I do want to start by saying this. Since the creation of Adam and since the creation of Eve, God has sought to have a relationship with mankind. Since the creation of Adam and since the creation of Eve, God has sought a relationship with mankind. God desires that man get to know him personally and intimately. Personally and intimately. You know, eternal life, and I, a lot of the times whenever I talk about eternal life, I like to bring up John 17, 3. Because a lot of people sometimes get confused to think eternal life is just going to heaven or living forever. People in hell live forever. Eternal life isn't living forever. You can, and by the way, I'm going to say a lot of references. And so if you're taking notes, I would just write the references down because I know there's a lot that we'll be going through here. But John 17, 3 says that eternal life is this, that they might know thee, know thee, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's what Jesus, if you have a red letter Bible, Jesus, out of his own mouth, that's what he said eternal life is to know God in an intimate and a personal relationship. And heaven is a bonus because he becomes your father. And so, since the beginning of time, God has desired to have a relationship with man. And as a matter of fact, God wanted that relationship so bad that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, So that you and I, mankind, could have that personal and intimate relationship with him. And the question is, why did God have to give his only begotten son for mankind to have that relationship? Well, the answer is found in this text that we just read. But just before we get back to it, we got to understand what happens in Genesis chapter number 2. In Genesis chapter number 2, we find that God formed Adam and placed him in the Garden of Eden. And God commanded Adam and Eve that they should not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he made a promise to Adam, and he said, The day thou eatest thereof of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day you eat of that tree, God made a promise to Adam and said, Thou shalt surely die. That's what his promise was. He made a promise to Adam, and he made a promise to Eve. In the verses in the text that we just read, we find Adam and Eve were just found guilty of breaking that very commandment that God had given. They had done exactly what God did not want them to do. And as a result, man died. Spiritually. That's key. That's, this is how I'm going to start it off here. Man died Spiritually. And we'll get to a point here where in Genesis chapter number five, I call it the graveyard chapter, where Adam begot Seth and Seth begot, and you start seeing everybody die physically. Yes, that occurs. But God said the day you eat, you're going to die. And we all know that the day Adam and Eve, they didn't die immediately. So what occurred? Man died spiritually. And in order to understand this, we're going to look at a couple verses here. One of the first ones we'll look at is Genesis chapter number one. And verse number 27, this is why man died spiritually, because man was created in God's image. Genesis chapter number 1 and verse 27 says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Genesis chapter number 1 and verse 27. Now, sometimes people take this to mean that we were created physically, physically, like God. But that's not what this text is saying. Rather, it means that God created man in his very essence, in God's very essence. And the question is, well, who is God or what is God in his very essence? And the answer to that is this. God is a triune God. Three persons in one, like Pastor I brought up this morning. There is something called the Trinity, 1 John chapter number 5 and verse number 7 says this, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, which is a capital W, that's referring to John chapter number 1 and verse 14 where the Bible says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, that's referring to Jesus Christ. So there are three that bear record in heaven, this is 1 John 5, 7, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, and I love the end of that, it says, and these three are one. That's what the Bible says. These three are one, one person. God is a triune God. You know, you can look at other examples. In Genesis chapter number one, the very first book, very first verse, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God stands for Elohim. That is plural. Three persons in one. One of the major texts for the Jewish people, Deuteronomy 6, 4, that says, "Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and the word God there again is Elohim, referring to the Trinity, three in one. And so, when the Bible says that God created man in His own image, that's how we were created in God's likeness, like that. Man was created also a body, a soul, and a spirit. And just like First John five seven says, you can say these three are one body soul and spirit now listen the spirit of us if you have it is the part of man that allows us to have a relationship with God and you might say why would I need the spirit to have a relationship with God I want you to turn with me to this one go to John chapter number four John chapter number four In the New Testament, the fourth book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And the question is this Why would man need the Spirit to have a relationship with God? John chapter number four, look at me starting at verse number 23. John chapter number four, look at me at verse number 23. We're gonna read two verses. Why would man need a Spirit to have a relationship with God? This is what the Bible says in John chapter number four, verse 23 24. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father. Notice the Father there. In spirit, in truth, and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And here it is. Why should we worship God with the Spirit? Why do we need a Spirit? Because God is a Spirit. And they that worship him. Notice the next word. What does it say? Must. Not if they want to, if they'd like to. No. God is the Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. You see, all, all, every one of us Christians in this room, if we are to please God, if we are to have a right relationship with our Heavenly Father, we must have the Spirit without the Spirit, you cannot please God. Without the Spirit, you don't belong to God. I want you to go to Romans. Go to Romans. Just a couple of books over. Go to Romans chapter number eight. I want you to see these things. They're taken directly from Scripture. Look at Romans chapter number eight. If you and I want to please God, we need the Spirit. If we want to worship God, we need the Spirit. You cannot please God without the Spirit. You do not belong to God if you do not have the Spirit. Romans chapter number 8, and we're going to start reading verse number 7. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 7 says this, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Like, look what it says here. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The Bible is very clear here, and it says that you cannot please God without the Spirit. You cannot please God when you are just a fleshly, sinful human being. And also, the Bible says here that if you do not have the Spirit... It says here you are none of his in other words you are not his child and God is not your heavenly father you notice that the Bible says if you do not have the spirit you are none of his you are not his child and you cannot claim him to be your heavenly father you are none of his the Bible says so here's a question I don't have the spirit I don't belong to God The question is, if I don't belong to God, then who do I belong to? Who is my father? That's the question. If I don't belong to God, because if I don't have the spirit, I don't belong to God. Well, then if I don't belong to God, who do I belong to? That's the question. Who is my father? And this is harsh, but in short, if God is not your father, then the devil is. That's what the Bible teaches. If God is not your father, then the devil is your father. Well, it goes back to Genesis 3.15 that we just read. God promised to put enmity between the seed of the devil and the seed of the woman. This is really neat here. Enmity means hostility, animosity, ill will. Right? Think about that. God said, between the seed of the devil and the seed of the woman, there's going to be enmity between... The, the unbeliever and the believer, there's hatred, ill will, right? We don't experience that with unbelievers. We don't, we don't get persecuted by the world, right? That verse doesn't make any sense. None of us have ever experienced that, yet that's what God said is going to happen. We born-again believers, seed of the woman, we don't experience hatred or animosity or ill will from the seed of the devil or unbelievers, do we? Of course we do. That's what God said was going to happen since he promised the Messiah in Genesis 3.15, but more than that, what I want you to notice is that the Bible says, if, if you notice in where we just read the account where uh, Adam and Eve were caught here, the Bible is, is God is the one speaking, and he's speaking to the devil. In that, in that where we just read. He's speaking to the devil. And what does he say to the devil? The Bible says to the devil, he said, thy seed. That's what he said to the devil. I'm going to put enmity between thy seed speaking to the devil. So the devil, in other words, has a seed The devil has, if you want to call it for illustration's sake, offspring, children. The devil has children, and even the devil is a father. The devil is a father. I want you to go with me at Psalm chapter number 51. Psalm chapter number 51. I'll try to go through a lot of these scriptures here. Psalm chapter number 51. So here's the question. Who is the seed of the devil? Who is the seed of the devil? The answer is this. Everyone born into this world... Everyone born into this world who has not been born again is the seed of the devil. Everyone born into this world who has not been born again is the seed of the devil. Why? Because of sin. That's why. Because of sin. Look at Psalm chapter number 51 and look at me at verse number 5. The Bible says this, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin my mother did conceive me. You see, you and I are natural-born sinners. We are no longer naturally born into the family of God, because there was a point that if Adam and Eve would have never fallen, and they would have had Cain and Abel and Seth and these children, and, and the, they would have been born into the family of God. But that wasn't the case because the rug, that wasn't the case because Adam and Eve fell. And sin plunged into the world, which we'll get to some of these verses. But the Bible teaches here that you and I are natural born sinners. You and I are naturally evil people. And by the way, that statement that I just said isn't very taken lightly by a lot of people outside these walls here. Outside these walls, people will teach you. We are inherently good people capable of doing bad or evil things. That's false. That's false. The Bible teaches that you and I are inherently evil people, capable sometimes of doing good things. That's what's biblical. But you and I are born into this world sinners, and sin has ruined us, and sin has ruined and marred the image of God that was in us. We have died spiritually. Genesis chapter number five, you will have to go there, but Genesis chapter number five, verse three says this And Adam lived 130 years. And begot a son, now here it is, in his own likeness after his image, and called his name Seth. You see this here? Is that no longer was man going to be born into the world, into the family of God. Because of the fall of man, because of what Adam and Eve did, now man was born in the likeness of Adam. And what, what kind of likeness is that? It's born with body, soul, and no spirit. No relationship to God, born a sinner, no longer born in the likeness of God, but born in the likeness of sin, shapen in iniquity, like the psalmist said. In sin did my mother conceive me because of what Adam and Eve did. Romans chapter number 5. We're already there. If you would, go to Romans chapter number 5, and we'll come back to you later. But Romans chapter number 5, look at me at verse number 12. Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 12. The Bible says this Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, and even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. You see, according to these verses, we are now born in the likeness of Adam and into the seed of the devil. The devil is our father if you are born every one of us when we're born into this world, we're naturally born into the seed of the devil. That explains why we do what we do. I want you to see this. Go to John chapter number 8. Go to John chapter number 8. I know I've got a lot of scripture here, but I want you all to see these things. Go to John chapter number eight. You know, how many of you have ever heard that phrase, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree? Anybody ever heard that one before? The apple doesn't. And we say that when we, when we see kids. And then sometimes as, as teachers, we see students and I'm like, man, why is this student the way he is? And then we meet the parents. Oh, okay. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Because the parent's like that. The child's like that. And the Bible says here in John chapter number 8, this is interesting, notice that word which we're focusing again on is a family of God, father, father, okay? I want you to look with me at John chapter number 8, and look with me at verse number 37. John chapter number 8, verse 37, it says this, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. Lowercase f. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto him, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me. A man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. And if that was me, I'd be start thinking, who is he talking about then? If Abraham's not my father, and he keeps telling me, you do the deeds of your father, who's my father? This is Jesus speaking. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me why do you not understand my speech even because you cannot hear my word ye here it is ready you are of your father the devil ouch <laughs> out of jesus's own mouth looking at the jewish nation those israelites people who sought to kill him he said you're the children of the devil ouch that's a uh, that's that's harsh right I, I don't know if i'd ever go that far to speak to parent your, your child is of the devil. Okay, I, th- that's harsh language. That comes from Jesus' very mouth. He says, you do the deeds of your father, and guess who he is? You're the children of the devil. Why would Jesus say that they were the children of the devil? Why would Jesus say your father is the devil? Well, because if you keep reading in this verse, look at 44, it says, you are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God, heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because, here it is, you're not of God, you're not my child, because just like the Bible says, my sheep know my voice. And these people were acting like how the devil would have acted. He was a murderer from the beginning. You know what these Israelites want to do? Kill, lie, steal, blaspheme, covet, idolatry. Does that sound familiar? The Ten Commandments that God put in place. Why did He put in place? To reveal sin. We act like our Father when we are born into this world without the Spirit. And who was our Father when we are born into this world without the Spirit? The devil. That's why this world acts and behaves the way they do Because they are children of the devil And how the devil is, they're going to act Because the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree And because of what Adam and Eve did They begot everybody in his own likeness In that sinful, Adamic nature He told the Jews that their father was the devil Because of their sin They were born into this world But they were never born again And that's extremely important However, here's the great news. Jesus came to solve that issue. You can be born again. As a matter of fact, you must be born again, like Jesus said. Go with me to John chapter number three. We're already in John. Go to John chapter number three. This is a time where Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus Christ by night. John chapter number three. John chapter number three. When I read these verses here, if you would, focus on the word born again and born of the Spirit. Would you focus on that? Because once again, when we're born, we're born, we lost the Spirit. We died spiritually. And God is here to restore us with that. But when I read these verses, listen to born again and born of the Spirit. Look at John chapter number 3 and verse number 3. It says this here. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's how you and I started out. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You know what the Bible says? You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. And that's what I want to conclude with tonight. Go to Romans chapter number 5. Romans, last passage you, got, you, you have to turn to here. I'll turn to one more after this, but go to Romans chapter number five as we draw this to a close here. Romans chapter number five. The Bible says here, you must be born again, born of the spirit. You need the spirit. And Romans chapter number five talks about the inheritance of someone who has been born again. If you've received Jesus Christ as your savior, the Bible says you are justified. You are declared innocent though you are guilty. You've been justified. And in Romans chapter number five and verse number one, this is what the Bible says. Now think about this. When when you're born again, this is our inheritance now. It says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God. That's number one. What is our inheritance when we're born again into the family of God? It's number one, peace with God. Have any of you ever been upset with your parents before? Have any of you ever had strife between your parents or argued within, with your parents before? That relationship gets restored after repentance. I absolutely love my dad. My dad and I have a great relationship now, but it wasn't always like that growing up. Me and my dad fought a lot, we were both extremely stubborn. We, we just hit head-to-head head all the time, and we would do the typical thing where I would yell, he would yell, it would only make me yell even louder, he yelled even louder, until we were just so angry that we walked away, went into our rooms, and just slammed the door. That's how it always ended. Every time I ever fought with my dad, just slammed the door. And I can tell you right now, I never enjoyed that. I never liked feeling at odds. I never liked strife or tension between my dad and I. I never liked it. I said things I regret, but I hate when my father and I are not in a good relationship. But you know how it always ended up? And this is why I appreciate my dad is because he'd always be the first one to come to me and say, Ruben, I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for what I told you. I'm sorry for what we're arguing about. We blew it up, etc. And then, of course, I'd come back and I'd say, Dad, I'm sorry too. You know what happens when I repent? That relationship is restored. With my dad, and you know what the Bible says: when you believe in Jesus Christ and you're born again, that relationship is restored, and your inheritance as a believer is you now have peace with your dad. You have peace with your father. It is it is such, and and I I know for a fact that salvation is not an emotion, not even close. To, it's it's true what the Bible says. It's not an emotion, but I remember the day I got saved. I, I had an overwhelming flooding of peace that I just could not explain. Why? Because I just got right with my Heavenly Father. (laughs) His wrath wasn't abiding on me when I learned that because of my sin, I was condemned. And because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross, I now had peace. And that relationship was restored. And an inheritance of being born again into the family of God is every one of us who have been born again you have peace with God. God isn't looking out to get any one of his children. You, you realize that? God isn't a sadist. He's not out to strike his children. He spanks us. He chastises us, as Hebrew says, but he does it because he loves us. And sometimes that sin can now ruin the fellowship, but that relationship is permanent. Amen. Once my dad, always my dad. Just because my dad and I fought, he never stopped being my dad. He was my dad no matter what. And so is God, your father. But sometimes sin breaks the fellowship. It makes me think about Luke 15, the prodigal son, who ran away from home, was not right with his dad, fell into sin, wanted to get back. He repented, and his father took him in, and he had peace once again. The second thing is access to God through prayer. You and I can come to God like a child comes to his father. And Hebrews chapter number 4, 14 through 16 talks about how we come boldly to God through our prayer. Luke 11 talks about the model prayer. And if you notice how, remember the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray like John taught his disciples how to pray. You know how God started it off? Our Father, which are in heaven. That's how he starts it off, because he becomes our heavenly Father. Our Father, which are in heaven. If you keep reading down that passage, he talks about how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Romans, you can read this, I'm taking directly from Romans 5, 1 through 3, and then verse 11 and 5. Not only do we have peace with God, access to God, but lastly, we receive finally that Holy Spirit that we lost. Romans chapter number 5, look with me at verse number 5. Romans chapter 5, verse number 5, as we conclude. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, here it is, which is given to us. And then Ephesians talk about how the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. He's the best thing. He is in us. We are made alive by him. We're quickened by him. He is in us permanently. there's so many verses we can get into. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, John 14, 17, and John 16, 13. The Bible says that he guides us into truth. We cannot understand truth without him. Here's the last passage. You don't need to turn there. I'm turning there. I'll read this and we'll be done tonight. It's in 2 Corinthians if you want to write this down. It's a really good passage. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. I'm going to read 6 verses here, 10 through 16. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2 or 1 Corinthians, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 verses 10 through 16. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 verses 10 through 16. It says this, "But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit." For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but here it is again, we received the spirit which is of God, what we lost, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Tonight, I really just wanted this to be very informative. And and in my study, God just really revealed this to me. But tonight is simply the question I ask you. Who is your father tonight? Can you claim God to be your heavenly father? Or is the devil still your father? Because the Bible says if you've not been born again, you must be born again. Because you're born without the spirit. You are born without the part of you that makes the relationship good again. And if you've not gotten that right, then tonight you can get that right. I'm thankful for my earthly father, but I'm thankful that tonight I can claim and I know who my heavenly father is. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. and We thank you once again for the opportunity just to be here tonight. As we just looked at scripture here, Lord, it is very...